0: You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. So be with us
1: now, we pray. Um, Set our hearts on fire with love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to give a brief uh, a note on the breakdown of the chapters we're going to be covering for the next, uh, next couple of weeks. So we just had a Bible reading, which was the first eight verses of Chapter 25. Um, this week for this sermon, um, we're going to be hearing about the tabernacle, and then next week we're going to be hearing about the, the priest, so the way that God calls these people to bring the people's the tabernacle together and the way that way he calls the the uniform or the structure for the priest, the way that he goes in and ministers on the people's behalf. This week, we cover five chapters in this one sermon. Five chapters. So it's chapters 25, 26, uh, tw- sorry, it's 25 to 31, and we miss out on 28 to 29. So 25 to 31, we miss out on 28 to 29. Um, five chapters. There's a lot. It's about the tabernacle, which means like God's tent so god god's tense so you could say that this sermon is going to be intense um <clears throat> sorry dad joke over anyway there's a lot to cover now just uh just so that this sermon isn't going to go for oh thank you jave for that high five for that clap for the dad joke um just so that this sermon doesn't go for the next 3 days because I'm preaching on five chapters um I'm just gonna wet your appetite uh with with all the with all the stuff that these chapters do cover. Because I'd love for you to go from here today and just read through them and be like, holy moly, these five chapters are full of God, I see what you did there moments. Okay. Because what on a, on the first precursory read, you might be like, Oh, what's going on here? Like, you know, there's there's a there's stuff about a bronze bowl, there's an altar, they're talking about how to make fence posts. I don't get it. Um lot to think about. Now I'm gonna share my screen. Um and give you a view of uh, this, so I was writing the sermon today but I also wanted to write for you, give you, um, where we
0: got it, I'm just going to bring up that, share my screen, here we go, this is what the next,
1: uh, now can we all, uh, I can't see you but I can trust you can see that, uh, we're thinking about the tabernacle, with the, which is this this tent or this this uh, this building, this this way of God brings His people together, or God meets with His people. Uh, and if you were to read through all of those five chapters, you'll see that they'll cover the altar, the fence posts, the rods, the veil, the uh, the holy of holies, the holy place. Um, so this this image will be hopefully helpful for you to sort of uh, continue to think through that. And if this image um, is not good enough, um, we also have, um, drum roll moment, uh, boom. Uh, this is a table that I've done up, which um, which you could, you 10, 11. There's 11 sermons just in this one table. <laughs> so each breaking down the different elements of what goes into the tabernacle and its significance. So we've got the court, the bronze altar, the bronze basin. Now you'll see that there's the location of each of those things. you better relate to the picture? Um, there's a couple of comments there on the importance or the symbolicness of those things. So you know, you say so you've got, um, you know, the the table of for bread. You know, it's in the holy place. Twelve loaves represents God's presence with the twelve tribes of Israel, spiritual sustenance. But then here's the cool part: those and how those things point to Jesus. Yeah, I see what you did there. Um, you know and we've got a bunch of a whole heap of different verses which I hope are helpful for you um, in terms of being able to um, get a really um, full grasp of the significance of these five chapters and give you some meat to chew on in gospel communities this week um, these you know this is sort of what I think is a nice pastiche or bringing together um, just some of the wonderful ways that we can sort of see the tabernacle continue on through the Bible in its full in the in the story as a, it's a con- constant revelation of Jesus Christ um so that's there to whet your appetite i'm going to send this document out uh to our gospel community leaders this week um so there's your cannon fodder for um for discussion online and you can have a look at that hopefully that's helpful for you um i guess this is the table um that i wish someone had given me before i read these five chapters uh, because it does shed a lot of light on things um but instead um i got to make it for you so hopefully that's helpful um, and hopefully you're as excited for that as I am. I had a lot of fun preparing it, and um, it's a lot of fun. Anyway, that's enough about uh, big tables with a lot of different um, information on them. All good. We've digested. Who's excited for the table? All right. I see some. Th- oh, we have got, got some fist palms. That's good. All right. I should have been re- screen recording. That could have been a meme. All right. <laughs> what are we thinking about today? What are we thinking about today? Okay, uh, trying to, uh, we have before us a passage which is all about the tabernacle, which is all about God coming to dwell with his people. It's a passage, it's a, it's a set of scripture teaching us of God's plan to be present and to be observable by his people. Okay, it's a passage all about the tabernacle. It's teaching us of God's plan be, to be present and observable by his people. Now, to open up and sort of state the big idea from the front, last week we thought about the closer and closer you get to God, the better and better you'll seem to be. This week we'll be thinking about a close encounter with God will always mean bewilderment and beauty. A close encounter with God will always mean bewilderment and beauty. Okay. So we're going to apply that thinking or um, that sort of big idea to three headings as we um, sort of fly over these five chapters today. So three headings we'll apply that to. We're going to think about God's tent, his tabernacle. We're going to think about God in flesh. So that's his son, Jesus. And we're going to think about God's people, his church. So that's a close encounter with God will always mean bewil- bewilderment and beauty. And that is seen in God's tent, his tabernacle. God in flesh, His Son Jesus, and God's people, his church. Okay? And uh, for you note takers out there, if you've got those three points, I'm going to use the three same subheadings for each point, participation, order, and grace. Participation, order, and grace. All right. There's the frame. Let's fill this thing. Okay. We're thinking about the tabernacle teaching us of God's plan to be present and observable. By his people, let's think about god's tent. let's think about the tabernacle itself so that picture that we saw in what it in what it's um, teaching us now there's a lot, obviously there's a lot it's teaching us but let's try and dial a few things down The tabernacle it's an encounter of bewilderment and beauty okay let's have a think about how that occurs firstly, uh, we just seen in this reading um Mary Allen had a read for us uh, in verse uh, verses nine and eight there. God says, uh, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Uh, verse nine. So let them. So I'm going to think about that first point, participation. Now it is incredible that God's people participate in having God dwell in their midst. Okay. So th- it, th- like that, that to us should be like amazing. That should be like bewildering. Like who is this God that is just like, I want you, my creation to make the house for me, the creator, so that, you know, that I can come down and to be be in that. Now, look, because God doesn't have to do that, right? God God doesn't have to get his people to be involved in this intimate way of giving him a place to come and dwell with his people. He he, he could have just let this thing drop out of the sky. He could have just said, let there be a tabernacle, and there was a tabernacle, and it was good. But God, he, he, he gets Moses in as project manager. He gets his people in to be the finance officers you know, and he gets a few that are spiritually gifted to help build the tabernacle as well. So if you get right to the end of the chapters all the way up to verse 31, there's these beautiful little verses where it talks about talks about a a couple of key people, and it said God filled them with his spirit so they could be these tabernacle builders. So, you know, if you're a creative out there, if you're an artist and you're doing that for the glory of God, spiritual gift. How good. God can empower you for, for beautiful acts of creation. So how amazing is this? We should be like, whoa, God, you're like getting us to be involved, like your people are involved in this. So there's that participation, it's, like there's, it's bewildering. But there's also the beautiful side of that, isn't there? There's that beautiful side of that, that God would say, I want you to participate in this, uh, in the building of this with me. Um, as, as I am getting ready to come down, after I've seen, I've heard, I'm going to come down, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to get you to help build this thing together. Uh, and, and God is getting them to, he's not getting them to like, you know, he's not getting them to set up one of those quick setup tents, you know, which are just like the greatest con in the world. It's just like a quick setup and it just, it looks a bit weird and it's not actually that quick to set up. You know, you know, they've got to, it's, you know, it's, they're not that fun. False advertising. This tabernacle that God gets his people to join in building is B E A beautiful, isn't it? If you read through those verses, there's, there's, it's this beautiful acacia wood and it's, and it's covered in gold and there's this fine linen and there's these beautiful curtains that are made and, and it's, it's this golden paradise, uh, which is in the middle of the desert. And it's beautiful that God calls His people to be like, be a part of creating this beautiful thing with Me. I'm giving you the blueprints. I'm giving you the the materials that you need, and I want you to come in, and I want you I want you to join Me in this. So God's tent, His tabernacle, it's an encounter of bewilderment and beauty as He gets His people to participate in the building of it. Beautiful. We also get to see how the God's tent, in its in its being an encounter of bewilderment and beauty, as people see God, it's it's a wonderful picture of Order—it's a wonderful picture of order, isn't it? Now, at first, uh, it can be a little bit bewildering uh, when we think about this order, because uh, uh, we're like, "Well, what's going on here?" Okay, okay, there's there's a fence. All right, what? what okay, we're building a. We're in the middle of a. De- okay, there's a fence here with a lot of you know. Okay, see the fence, and then there's like a lot of curtains and veils, and um, okay, and then there's like a there's a there's a wash bowl over there. Like, what's going on? Um, what 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 is all this? But actually, the, the beauty is in understanding what these somewhat bewildering elements have within the context, of the way that they get used within how God wants to dwell with his people. Because we see this, we see God's character revealed in this wonderful sensibility and in this wonderful order of logic. Um, like if you, if you're, if you're an engineer or, you know, maybe if you're, if you're an accountant and you like some order and, you know, some, some logic to, you know, this equals this equals this equals this. Um, the tabernacle is beautiful. It's beautiful in the way that it reveals the character of God. Um, because you, you get to see that as you begin to understand the different elements and the different parts, you go, man, this is amazing. This is, this is, this is a, unreal. Like is this, this, this is God has created a sensory journey that he wants his, his people to, To 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 undertake every time they they seek to approach him, every time that they want to be, every time they want to draw near to be forgiven, or to give thanks, or to give praise. Uh, Every time that the priest draws near to God on their behalf, uh, the the people get to see this beautiful rightness in the order that that each element God instructs to be given in the way that they approach. You know the way that they approach in. From the east, and then they they start with uh, this this outer court, and then they go to the altar, and they have the sacrifice, and then they can take another step further, and then they get to wash, and then they get to go into the next holy place. There's this beautiful order of um, this understanding of significance and symbolism. There's a there's a beautiful emotional and and meaningful and beautiful journey that God architects for the hearts of his people so that they would grow in an awareness of his character and holiness. It's beautiful that, that we see in the tabernacle um, as, as, we, as we get this close encounter with God, we get to see the order that's there and how at first the order is like somewhat bewildering, but then it's, it's really beautiful. You get to see God's character of logic and sensibility seen in the way that when we're with, when we're draw, when we're having an encounter with God, there's this bewilderment, but there's this blue beauty. So there's participation with the tabernacle, there's order, and then lastly, we get to see one of the things we get to see is is grace revealed in the tabernacle. God's grace, uh, that is, is God's love, is made known in and through the tabernacle. Now, at first, uh, it is a bit bewildering, isn't it? Upon People seeing this tabernacle, if you're walking past this thing, uh, people would be asking, what is that? Like, what is that over there? Like, who's in there? Like, what is this thing set up in the middle of the desert? It's, it's, it's enormous. And it's, it's actually well, like, what's in there? Like, that that that's significant. That thing, whatever whatever it is, that's significant. Like what what is that? There there, there surely would be this uh, it would it would stand at this beautiful monument in the midst of God's people. And there's this there should be this bewilderment as as the conversation beside the tabernacle, you know, between people that may have seen it for the first time. It's just like, what's that thing over there? You know, you can imagine the Israelites saying, well, actually, that's uh, that's our God's way of of um of him providing an providing a way for us to be with him and him be in our midst um and and and, and they would be saying well that this is this looks like a super elaborate thing that's going on over there it's just like yeah it, it is it's uh it is it is very very elaborate but it's also it's also very intimate isn't it um it's also it's a, a beautiful intimate and and wonderful way of us of god's of god condescending to come down and be with his people. So there's this bewilderment that, that people would be asking, Who is this God that He would come down and be with these people in this way so that He would do, d- dwell in a tent just like them? And it's as people get past that bewilderment of seeing God's condescending love and grace to meet with His people, there's, there's, there's that, be- that realization of that beauty, isn't there? The beauty of God, the character of God that He would that he would actually pursue his people and come down and be with them in that moment. Now, this isn't any old any old little G, you know, quote, unquote, God that someone fashioned out of a log. It's not a piece of wood. It's not an idol that someone stuck up. This is the God of the universe. It is, it is the God who made the heavens and the earth. It is the God who these people, ha- have, who has rescued them from the tyran- tyranny and the turmoil of Egypt. Like this is the God that stretched out his arm and showed his marvelous deeds and signs and miracles and protection and provision. This is the God who only moments ago they saw him come down on Mount Sinai and there was smoke and there was lightning and there was thunder and there was fire and there was a very earthquake. Like this is that God. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to come down and be with you guys. And this is what I want you to build for me. and. <laughs> And God's people get to see the beauty and that God's God's with us in here. God is dwelling with us. He's tabernacling with us. He's He's pitched His tent amongst us. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's it's on first on first 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 blush, it's like this is this is bewildering. This is crazy. Who is this God that He would do that? But then we understand that for His love for His people, this is amazing that God would do that.
0: The grace of God, God's mercy to meet His people in this way and to bless them in this way. The tabernacle, it's a a visible
1: demonstration of God's grace, of God's love. So we're thinking about the tabernacle, it's it's an encounter of bewilderment and beauty, The, the participation, the order, and the grace that it shows off for God to be with his people. It's a wonderful, wonderful
0: testimony of the character and the personality of God but that's not all it is is it Uh, that's
1: that's not all it is Uh, because as much as we see in these chapters about how the tabernacle is God's plan to be present and to be observable by his people it doesn't stop there does it Uh, it doesn't stop there um as we've already seen um, with a with a you know quite a complex uh, table and what looks like a bit of a crazy spreadsheet with Bible verses all over it, um, the tabernacle actually points forward, doesn't it? It had a very real purpose in the past, but it actually points forward to a future realization uh, that in the Bible, in the Jesus book, the tabernacle is pointing to Jesus. Uh, so we want to think about how the tabernacle points to Jesus. I'm going to read for us uh, the same passage that Joash read for us at the start of our service today
0: uh, from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God.
1: He was in the beginning with God, verse 14. And the Word, this thing that was in the beginning with God, and what was, that was God, the Word became flesh and dwelt in dwelt among us. That word dwelt is tabernacled among us, dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. We have seen his beauty, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So church, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, we saw that God once dwelt with, dwelt with and served his people through a building So the tabernacle, in the New Testament, the gospel is that God dwells with and serves his people through a
0: person, God the Son, Jesus Christ. So we have God in flesh, God the Son,
1: Jesus Christ. And just like tabernacle, as the tabernacle points to Jesus, Jesus, an encounter with him, we see in the New Testament that is also an encounter of bewilderment and beauty, isn't it?
0: That a close encounter with God will always be one of bewilderment and beauty. So I want to think about Jesus
1: as Jesus is the new and better tabernacle. Let's have a look at Let's have a think about how that occurs. So we're going to think about participation first, bewilderment and beauty um, You think about even with Jesus, just like God called the people to participate in bringing the tabernacle together and bringing and raising that up, God calls his people to participate in Jesus coming into the world and Jesus being brought up, doesn't he? Like, firstly, that is bewildering. You know, of all people in the way that Jesus is brought
0: into this world, who is chosen? Mary. Like, I mean, Mary, like, the womb of a virgin, a
1: virgin, like a, it's a human, Jesus has a human mother and a human father. And Jesus, not only is Jesus like born of humanity, but he's born, raised and born in obscurity. Like he's not laid to, laid to bed to rest in a mansion,
0: but the king of the universe, he's put in a manger. Like that's a horse's feeding trough. Like who is this God? So God
1: calls his people to participate in the bringing in of his son into the world, the, his, the way that God is going to dwell with us. He calls his people to participate with him in that. Now, we know like Jesus could have very easily just like he could have just appeared coming down from the heavens on a white horse, blazing glory, sword in his hands. Like that will happen. But that's not the first. This isn't the first time. He gets his people to participate. Bewildering. It's bewildering. It's, 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 it's crazy. The divine king Jesus would be willing to stoop down. To
0: identify with, and live with the poor. Participation. Participation of God with us.
1: Now it doesn't, d- doesn't doesn't take you long to sort of get past that and to just be able to go like that is, that is beautiful, isn't it? Like that that is that is beautiful. That, that God firstly that God wants His creation to be to be involved in His gospel plan of recreation. That's beautiful, isn't it? that he would call us to participate in that, that he would call humanity to participate in that. As the psalmist says, who is man that you are mindful of him? Crowning your people with such honour to be part of your
0: divine work of rescue and redemption. It's it's beautiful. And how beautiful is it that God would have such an intimate love for his people that
1: that he would bring them so close to him that so close that we would get to join him in his everyday work so that for us, for the, those that are his chosen children, that for us, every day of our lives
0: gets to be a go-to-work-with-dad day. It's beautiful. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's,
1: it's, it's bewildering and it's beautiful. A close encounter with God through the person work of Jesus is one that is full of bewilderment and beauty. We see that in the, the participation that God calls his people to in joining in that. So there's also participation, but then let's all think about order. Let's think about order. Um, you know, Jesus, as the new and better, better tabernacle, um, we see God in his logic and sensibility again, don't we? We see God in his logic and sensibility again, Um now, not so much in terms of the order of approach as you would go through the tabernacle, you know, by the altar and the basin and the veil and the curtain, but even just in the very name that Jesus gets called, we get to understand that Jesus reveals God to be one of, uh, of sensibility and logic. And how do we know that? Well, if we go to that reading that we just read, uh, from the Gospel of from the Gospel of John, where it says, "In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made God. was was with God, and the Word was with God. Do you know what that word word means? <laughs> that word word in the Greek it's 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 a word called logos. Logos. So in the beginning was the logos. And the Logos with was with God and the Logos was God. That word Logos in Greek is also known to be logic or order or wisdom or reason. And it's saying that when God comes to dwell with his people, the, the very wisdom of God is putting on flesh, like the very ordering of God, the, very, um, uh, the, the the logic of God comes down to be with his people and you get to encounter that. How good is that? And, and Jesus as, as logic, Jesus who is called logic, who was called order, who was called wisdom, now that, that is fundamental to who, it, who he is, isn't it? You read through the biographies of Jesus, the Gospel of Luke, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Like Jesus was wisdom personified, logic personified. Like think about the common responses to Jesus' logic. Like he's logic on fire in his conversations and debates, isn't he? Logic on fire. Bewilderment and beauty as the experts of the day, you know, verbally joust with him in response to the Roman tax. Jesus' response, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. They can only respond in, they can only marvel at what he says. Like they don't have a category for this wisdom that is before them. Or what about the logic that is revealed in the person and work of Jesus? What about the, the bewilderment and the beauty that we see in the person and work of Jesus in the way that he condemns the people who are condemning the, the woman in a, caught in adultery? You know, they gather around her and they, need to, they, they, want, to, they want to put her to death for what she's caught out to do. They're holding rocks in their hands and they want to throw them at her and,
0: and take her down. And Jesus says, he who was out sin cast the first stone. And everyone just walks away. No one has an answer for that wisdom, for that
1: logic, for that order, for that reasoning. It's bewildering, but it's also beautiful. Jesus, in his enigmatic parables, they were spoken to both to draw people both near and to turn people away. Encountering Jesus, the true and better tabernacle, Jesus, whose name is order and logic and wisdom. It is also an encounter
0: with, of bewilderment and beauty. Bewilderment and beauty. And lastly, as we think about Jesus, uh, we see, we want to think about grace, don't we?
1: Grace. That just as the tabernacle represented the love and the grace of God to come and dwell with his people, Jesus, it got, in Jesus, God's love is made fully known, isn't it? <laughs> John's gospel again, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the
0: only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And again, bewilderment. So much of the confusion towards, like, so much of the
1: confusion towards, like, people that hold firmly to the Christian faith is is because they can't comprehend the grace-filled nature of Jesus, can they? I don't know about you, but in so many of my conversations with people who are trying to understand the Christian faith, they don't have a category for the love that Jesus shows. What do you mean you just have to believe in the person and work of Jesus? Surely you have to do something. No, 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 no. No, I just have to believe that in Jesus Christ, like, died and is risen from the dead. I have to con- confess him as Lord, say, say sorry for my old life and, and just want to follow him and in a new life and walk with him in that. And I am saved and I have a joy that surpasses all
0: understanding. I, I can rejoice every day in all circumstances. That is met with bewilderment, isn't it, by the world? this scandalous grace that God shows us through his Son, full of grace and truth. And for us who who know Jesus in this way, I'm sure that at first that grace, we met that grace of Jesus.
1: We we met that with some bewilderment, but there was a moment, wasn't there, where that knowledge of our head went
0: into our heart and that bewilderment, it became what? Became beauty, became beautiful. It became
1: beautiful. Like, like I, I wonder for you. I wonder if you regularly let the reality of the fullness of grace that comes from Jesus. I wonder if you, if you, if you let that just sit with you for a while, and you just let the, let the, let the reality of the amazing love of God take root of your heart, so you can once again see Jesus Christ
0: for as beautiful as He really is.
1: Like, I wonder if over the past week, you've taken time to consider the bewildering, the amazing, the upside down, undeserved love, mercy and provision
0: that God has shown you in Jesus Christ. I wonder if you've meditated on that reality.
1: and I wonder if you've meditated on, on the reality that even when you were still a sinner,
0: Christ died for you. Like that amazing song, you know the song? Amazing love, bewildering love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Church, you know that so much of the bewildering
1: grace revealed in Jesus Christ, shown by Jesus, so much of that grace is what drives our
0: understanding of the beauty of Jesus Christ and the wonderful nature of our God. Jesus revealed to us, God with us. Beautiful, beautiful.
1: God made him who knew no sin to be, love for, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus, that he becomes the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. It's not a tabernacle more, anymore, it's Jesus. Our approach is no longer via a tabernacle or a temple. It's
0: made possible by Jesus with us, with God's spirits in us. That's beautiful. But don't take my word for it. See if you can think of a more beautiful way for God to be able to draw us to himself. See if you can think of a more beautiful way for God to be able to draw you to himself. I submit to you that there is no better, there's no more beautiful way than God
1: being the one to lead us then God being the one to purify us, then then
0: God being the one to take up residence in our heart and to embolden us to do so. We think about Jesus, God revealed through
1: Jesus, God dwelling with us in Jesus, that as the tabernacle points to Jesus, we know that a true and real encounter with, the t-
0: with God, with the tabernacle, with Jesus, it will always be one of bewilderment and beauty. But finally, uh, we could just end there.
1: But finally and lastly and, and importantly, we should be also seeing how the tabernacle, as it teaches us of God's plan to be, for, to be present and observable by his people, we should also consider how God's people, how the church, our city on Hill Surf
0: Coast is to be an encounter of bewilderment and beauty. Because the tabernacle, tabernacle uh,
1: as it is realized today, um, not only does the Old Testament tabernacle point forward to Jesus today, but it also points forward
0: to the church to the church that Jesus is building. Hear these words uh, from 1 Peter 2.4. As you come to him, a living stone
1: rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices
0: Acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we've thought about through ancient history, Exodus
1: time, and that that God was with His people via the tabernacle, and we've seen Jesus; He was God in flesh with His people, rescuing he, rescuing His people. And now we get to today, and as we're in a ta- as we're in a passage that thinks about the tabernacle, uh, we need to see how it is a shadow of of which, of what, of, of God's love, of God's, of God's presence, which is being built by Jesus and which is to be present and observable
0: through us as we begin to reflect Jesus. So I want us to see how the
1: gathered people of God, the church, so not the building, we're not thinking about a building, we're thinking about us, the God, gathered people of God, so both on Sundays and throughout the weeks, we, we should be a witness and we should be an announcement to the world which is full of people, when people encounter us, which, which leads to bewilderment and beauty, okay? And it's because of the way
0: of our participation and because of the order and because of the grace that we show, the church. So think about, think about the way the church shows off uh, a bewilderment and a beauty. In
1: participation, okay? So we've got the church, God's people, God's people participating. Like, have you noticed that when when you commit to following following Christ and and when you submit to gladly obeying Jesus, God doesn't call you home straight away, does he? God doesn't whisk you up into glory. Like, come home now, it's done, you're saved. No. God has a stay. God has a stay to participate in this building up of a new people, to in this in this spiritual house, and he gives each of us these exercise. He gives each of us these gifts for the common good. He gives each of us these, um, gives us a, a passion and a longing to be the hands and feet of Jesus, both to each other and to the world. And as we do that, as we be the church, as we love people, as we love God and love each other, as we obey the great commission to go forward and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we do that, we and the people that encounter what God wants to do through us, we will be a means of seeing bewilderment and beauty, won't we? People, the rest of the surf Coast. The people from Armstrong Creek, the people from wherever we are, they should be able to look in on our lives and look in at the way that we gather and the way that we meet. We should be able to bring people into a gospel community. And just like people once did for the once did when they walked past the tabernacle, they should walk past our gatherings or come and visit our gatherings, and they should should they should be saying, who are these people?
0: Why are they doing these things? What, like, why are they doing the things that no one else is willing to do in the community? Like,
1: what has brought these people together? They're so different, they're so diverse, but yet they have this wonderful love and this wonderful unity, and they're and they're genuine and they're, and they're real, and they they they're actually they're actually they they, they have this they they they
0: they have this like this are some of them are quite immature but they're maturing some of them are struggling but they have hope like what's going on? God calls all of these people to be mutually participating in knowing Jesus and making
1: Jesus known. And as we do that, people look in on us and they go, whoa, that's, that's weird,
0: but that's beautiful. Is participating in the church something you see and value in our church? We've got to
1: ask is participating within the church within our church something that you see and is it
0: something that you value in our church because our collective effort and the what we contribute together and what we do it should be
1: should be something that we ourselves and the people looking in should go that is bewildering but that is also
0: beautiful is participating something that you see and value in our church if not how are you asking Jesus to shape you so that you can? So the church is a picture of participation of God's,
1: of God's people um, to be bearing witness to the character of God and what he's doing. We also see that in, within the church, there's an order there that is also bewildering to the world, also, also beautiful to the world. Uh, also, th- there's an order there where God's character and logic and sensibility is seen in the church. There's order. Uh, in the church, God calls people into different roles and responsibilities the sum of pastors, teachers, leaders, servers, shepherds, evangelists, prayers, givers. It's a gathering of order, not disorder. It's a people who live day. Today in a posture of not wanting to be served, but to serve, isn't it? There's an order that is not of this world, isn't there? There's an order that's not of this world. And the rest of the world, it will be bewildering.
0: But it will also be seen as beautiful when it's sought to be understood. The order of the church that God gives to his people.
1: And that's why the church will always look different to modern-day society, no matter where modern-day society is at. Because as God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we will always seek to hold fast to what God says is good, even when modern society may think that that's not very cool, you know, not very politically correct. But we're seeking to do what God says is good, and we're trusting that that is good because we know God is good and we're putting our faith in him to follow after him and what he says is good in the order of the church. Now, I'm wondering, I wonder if order within
0: our church is something that you see or I wonder if just generally order in the church is something that you value. If not, I wonder if how are you today asking Jesus to shape you so that you can? Lastly and finally, we're going to think about grace. The way the church is the people of God, the people who are bearing witness to God, we it where, where to be a people
1: where God's love is made known by the grace of God. The community of Jesus, the Jesus-centred community, the church, God's church the people of God together, it is to be a grace community, isn't it? It is to be a grace community, a grace community where we ourselves look around and where the rest of the world looks in and there there is bewilderment, but there is also great beauty. So the church, as a grace community, it will always be messy, won't it? It'll always be messy because we're all a bunch of messed up people. Following the one who isn't messed up, who knows that we're we're seeking after him. We're all a bunch of messed up people, but we know that we're messed up. And because we know that we're messed up, we can give grace to the other people that mess us up (laughs) and that mess us around. But even though we're all messed up and even though it's messy,
0: our community, because it's a grace community, will always be a community of reconciliation and love. We're not going to talk behind people's backs about the way that they've let us down or done something
1: wrong because we, 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 we will be saying there but the grace of God go I. We're not going to grumble and fault find
0: about other people or things that don't quite suit us because we're going to give the benefit of the doubt. We're going to... Give
1: trust and show grace and be patient. We're going to be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love because that is the character of our Father who is at work in our hearts to change
0: us to be representatives of Him as we all gather together. It's messy, yes, but a grace community will be messy. And it can be messy because we know that God is the one holding it all together. Because God is the source
1: of our forgiveness and love for each other. And we're all going to be struggling, yes. We're
0: all going to struggle, but we don't struggle without hope or help. And we're all going to lack maturity in
1: certain areas, aren't we? Because, hey, look, no one is perfect and no one's going to make the best decision. But as we're all lacking maturity in certain areas, we're all going to be maturing at certain at certain points, aren't we? We're all growing. We're all, you know, we're all, as, as I heard just yesterday, we're all at different points, you know, in the family. Some of us are still drinking the baby bottle. Some of us are still onto, you know, someone's cutting up the fruit for us. Some of us want to be eating meat over here.
0: We're all a family and we're all maturing and we're all growing. And we can do that because we're a grace community held together by God. Grace, we're going to be people, we, can, we are called to be a people that show each other mercy and love and even more
1: and we're going to stick together and we're going to help each other and as we come to terms with that every day and as we become better practiced in that every day, as we do that ourselves, we'll look around at each other and we'll be like, wow, who does this? No one. No one apart from the grace that God can work within them and the world will look in on our community. And the, wor- and the world should encounter us in our gospel communities and in our friendships and in our Sunday services. And they'll be like, who are you people? Who are you people? Like such generous hearts. Like, you have all, all, like you've got all these
0: things in common. Like this, I heard that even some of you are selling possessions so that you can serve other people. I wonder if grace is something you see and value in this church, in our church.
1: I wonder if you see the City on Hill Surf Coast as being a grace community that is
0: both bewildering and beautiful to you and to the rest of the world. If not, how are you asking Jesus to shape you so that you can? As the tabernacle and as Jesus, Were loud
1: beacons of light and love and of God's presence on this earth. So the people of God, the church, should be too. That just that the people that we as the people of God that we should walk, and as we walk um, in public and in our private lives, um, we would hope that people would look in on our lives and look in on our gatherings and look in on our community, and they should be saying, "What is that? Who is that? That is significant." I've never seen
0: anything like that. That's bewildering. But it's also kind of beautiful. But it's possible because we're people that are being led led and being changed and being guided
1: and being comforted and being empowered by God's Holy Spirit who is in us. Who is in us. That's beautiful. God having taken up residence in our hearts as we the church Seek after him. I wonder how God is calling you to be a beacon of light today. I wonder how God is leading you to be a city on a hill for him this week. I'd love to encourage you to turn to his word this week, uh, to open and read your Bible. Uh, And I'd love to encourage you to turn to his face this week, uh, to open your mouth and honestly pray. Uh, I'd love for you to trust that Jesus, the master builder, is willing and can shape you to be one of the stones, the living stones that make up his spiritual house. So that we can be a people, so that we can be a community uh, that represent and show off Jesus to each other and to this world. And so that when people get an encounter of God in us, dwelling
0: with us, it would be an encounter, an encounter that is bewildering and beautiful. So I'd love for us to actually spend some time praying now. Uh, we're going to close uh, in a time
1: of prayer. Um, now, this is just a time of quiet prayer um, for yourself um, or if you're with um, a partner, um, with with your family, um, I'd love to encourage you just to take some time to pray together because the reality is if, as soon as this Zoom room closes, we probably won't take time to do it out on our own otherwise. So we want to make time on the Sunday in the gathering to do that together, to be putting that into practice. Um, I would love for us to be praying um, to ask God to change our hearts so that we can be a people that when we look at each other and that when people look at us, they would see God dwelling with us. They would see that we have been someone that has truly encountered God and through us they can truly encounter God. I don't know what it is that God would be changing in your life this week, um, that God's leading you to put on or to put off so that you can be someone that is bewildering and beautiful. <clears throat> but I just want to let us take four minutes now, three to four minutes just praying together, um, just quietly
0: in our own homes. And uh, Joash is going to close for us. So I'm going to start us off. I'm going to pray and then let me encourage you to at home, wherever you are. Pray with your husband, with your wife, or with your
1: family, on your own, whatever that might be, and open up your heart to God for him to change
0: you so that you can be someone that represents him well. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we can share. Father, we are sorry for the times where we forget
1: how beautiful you are we are sorry for the times where we, haven't, where we haven't taken the time to let your bewildering and amazing and glor- glorious grace impact our hearts as it should. We are sorry for the times that we fail to acknowledge the fact that you are with us, that there isn't a single hair on our head that isn't numbered, that there isn't a, a word on our tongues that you don't know already before it's spoken. Father would we be a people where today each and every person represented on this screen would we once again have an encounter of bewilderment and beauty that we could each say amazing love how can it be that thou my God would die for me and that we would be that you would be pleased to change our hearts so that we would have such a longing and a desire for you that we would continue to experience your beauty, that we would willingly be more bewildered by what it is that you would be leading us in and that we would be ready to take active steps in faith to follow you so that we would be changed, so that you would get glory and so that the world around us would see you at work in us
0: and that would see you as being with us as a church. So, do a work in us, we pray,
1: a mighty work, a miraculous work, in helping us have a greater understanding of your love.
0: We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.